Welcome to this episode of Let's Chat. I'm your host, Chris Revel, coming to you from the Cat Cave in Providence, Rhode Island. We have a really special episode today. I'm not just saying this. This is one of the most important episodes I think I've done since the entire time I've done the show. I've been a fan of Nathan Gray's music for a number of years, uh, and his various projects from Boyce It's Fire, The Casting Out, I Am Heresy, and now his solo work. I first discovered Boyce Heads Fire when I was 17 years old on the bus to way to high school from my, to this day, very close friend, Crystal Riley. She gave me after the eulogy. I had never really heard punk rock at this point in my life. At this point, I was probably still listening to like Weird Al and hip hop and, and some modern rock, more or less Our Lady Peace, super drag a little bit. And uh, this after the eulogy just set me on a path that changed my entire life. Uh, I do a really good job in this episode not geeking out over uh, Nathan and Boy Sets Fire. Uh, I feel like we really connected. He's a really funny guy. He's a really smart guy. Very, very intelligent. Uh, we have a phenomenal conversation about like the Church of Satan. Uh, just being, if you're a Boy Sets Fire fan, you're fully aware of the uh, wind up year. So you're gonna get some some uh, talk about wind up records. Uh, man, we even talk about being on the Daredevil soundtrack, which is uh, the reason I even saw that movie was because High Wire Escape was on that on that soundtrack. And the reason I bought that CD was for Boy Sets Fire. I had seen them many a times in concerts. I've made friends. I remember I had a friend in college, Rob Hunter, that uh, he had a Boy Sets Fire hat on, and I'm pretty sure I just walked up and talked to him. I was like, you like Boy Sets Fire? Let's be friends. Because Boy Sets Fire was that kind of band. Uh, this band just meant the world to me. Recently saw, maybe like last year, I saw I'm Heresy with my good buddy uh, Dan Shields who's been on the show, and uh, Ryan Lermit, also who's been on the show. And just I've had like a crew of friends. Like, um, just We've just loved Boy Sets Fire. They're, they're fucking awesome. And so this episode does not disappoint if you're a Boy Sets Fire fan, I Am Heresy fan, the Casting Out fan, or Nathan's amazing solo work. Um, I've been listening to a lot of it. He was nice enough to let us play a song at the end, so you're going to hear a song called Wolves. Um, I, I, I just, I don't know. I'm having a hard time. I can't express how much this episode meant to me. I I don't like the word hero or idols or that bullshit. But I've always really looked up to this guy and I've always really loved his music for over a decade and to get a chance to like and I here's the thing, I've met him like four or five times by this point in my life. I've seen every time I've ever been to the show I've got to stop and say a quick hello and then I just kinda get awkward and leave. But I got to talk we talked for like an hour and a half and it was just fascinating. And it turns out he does amazing work for the world, which he talks about helping veterans, which I really respect. Okay, that was unrehearsed, and I just said a whole lot of words, so I'm going to do a quick switch. This is the first episode, a part of the Core Temp Arts Network. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. If you're new to the show, please bounce around, check out some past episodes. I've had guests such as Ray Harkins from 100 Words or Less, if you're into the voice that's fire, independent music. If you're a fan of the Core Temp Arts, then you got to check out Carly Beaumont. Been a past guest a couple of weeks ago, and Peter V from Hydrate Level 4, We Got 5, and so on. Make sure you check out Core Temp's art website, coretemparts.com. We'll have a little bumper for you at the end for them. Uh, Big thanks for Carly for having me on. It is a wonderful family. I'm in great hands. I ended up on this network because I first started just listening to That Pop This Life, We Got 5. Fell in love, really liked their shows, and I was like, I want to be part of this. Uh, So what an honor. Uh, Sorry for a little long intro, but uh, let's get to it and make sure you stick around for the end where you'll hear Nathan Gray's Wolves. Go buy his album.
Let's Chat with Revel and Friends is part of Courts and Parts, a podcast network featuring pop culture, TV, and movie podcasts. Check out our other shows, That Pop This Live, Talking Shondaland, We Got Five, and TV Ate My Brain at courtsandparts.com. The hard, the hard, you never thought that this cop would take it this far. Now I'm in the limelight cause I rhyme tight. Time to get paid, blow up like the world trade. Born sinner, the opposite of a winner. Remember when I used to eat sardines for dinner? Peace to Raw G, Brucey B, Kid Debris. Funk, Master Flex, Love, Funk, Star, Ski. I'm 31, and I think I was thinking, I was doing the math today, and like I've been a fan of music you've made since I was like 17. And I was like, wow. Oh, Jesus. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I just felt like arthritis in my hands when you said that. (laughs) (laughs) But but it's funny, though, because when I was like 17, you guys must have been like your 20s by the time I saw you. And I remember thinking, but like, you know what it's like when you're young and you see, then you meet someone in their 20s who's like in a band, they feel like real live adults. And then you get to that age, you're like, oh. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. absolutely. No, but, we're nowhere near being adults at that age. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I have a cousin who musicians. I'm like, yeah, maybe you're not full, full adults ever if you. <laughs> right. Right. No, if, if you get to do it, like it's like there's a, a it's a weird maturity and an immaturity to it, which I think is fucking great. But, yeah, sure. My friend, uh, Crystal, when I was in high school, I don't know if she got in trouble or something happened, but her parents made her go to this evangelical Christian summer camp in Delaware. And it mm-hmm. was um, run by your guitarist Josh's parents, and that's how we learned about Voices Fire. <laughs> <laughs> so they did awesome. some good PR. Like I don't know why they were down there. I don't think Josh was even there, but for some reason they came back with all the stuff from like from Newark, De- Newark, Delaware. Newark. <laughs> like, there you go. Very Newark. well done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My mother-in-law is from Newark, which uh, Jersey. Right. Much different. Right. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, I've never been. Have I ever been to Delaware? I don't know, to be honest. I, I don't know if you've been either. Yeah, I, I don't. If I have, it has not in a very long time. But yeah, I've been in Newark, New Jersey. It's a, it's you know, it is. What it's it there. Is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I feel bad shitting on towns because like, well, someone's gotta live there. And yeah, well, not only that, but everything's pretty much the same. I think it's really funny when people get to. I just, I just, it's the pronunciation that makes the difference. Yep. But um, but it, it's always weird when people are like, oh, that town sucks. It's the same as the town you live in. It's just in a different fucking state. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> My wife's cares? from Jersey, and everyone shits on Jersey. I'm like, you know, I'm from right. Connecticut, and I, whatever. There's good and bad everywhere right. you go. It's it's all. Yeah, awesome. everybody shits on Jersey. I mean, yeah. it definitely in this area. The reason being those because in Newark, Delaware, you've got the um, college town, mm-hmm. which we get in all the like sort of Jersey. rich New Jersey assholes. Every college in America, any college yeah, in the yeah. Northeast, it's just rich kids from Jersey. Because I would hang yeah, out at like Quinnipiac awful. and stuff when yeah. I was in high school, and it was just oh, any college party you ever go to, it's just kids from Jersey. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I but the thing is, I mean, like you know, I have a lot of friends in Jersey, and like, I mean, the the one band that I played in, I am Heresy, was almost all Jersey people except me, so I can't really shit on it. You know? Yeah, it's, uh, my my good buddy Dan was working at the Court Tavern uh, when you guys last time. God, it was like last Memorial Day when you guys played there. I was at it, and I, I think he was telling me that like all of his friends were in I Am Heresy, and they were all from like New, New Brighton. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that was a good time. Um, man, an holy alliance of a Delawarean and New Jerseyites. <laughs> but the the one thing, um, I, I'll try to go kind of chronological in your your mm-hmm. musical career. 
But do it again. <laughs> um, <laughs> the one the, the, I wanted to say my impression of I Am Heresy, which I absolutely loved. Um, now, don't take this the wrong way. When I saw it, I was like, all right, this is definitely someone who grew up who loves theater and Queen. <laughs> and, oh, uh, absolutely. All right. I, 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 yeah. And I tried to tell someone that, and I think someone like at the thing kind of got like, well, they were a little drunk, and they got in an argument with me. I was like, dude, did you just watch the same performance I did? Like, <laughs> this is like. Dude, there's like, there's like altars and smoke yeah. and candles. Of course. It's like dramatic as shit. It was amazing. <laughs> and I was like, this yeah. is like a fucking, in, like a weird experimental theater. Over yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, and I brought that over into the um, solo stuff, and trying to even more so because with the music, you can do that a little bit more than like with metal heavy, you yeah. know, spastic stuff. So, is that ever a thought to do metal theater or like, you know, like that Mike just made a musical? Uh, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> but I have, you know, now that I'm doing my solo work stuff, I've definitely incorporated a lot of that and trying to actually step it up even more because with the music I do with my solo stuff, it's more, um, um, not cohesive. It's more, um, it works better with that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I was you know listening I mean? to it's it. It's just very anthemic and, you know, type of things that you can do, um, yeah. Anyway, it it I I would like to actually build off of that even more with this. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, so you've been doing music forever, basically. Yeah, for all the time, all yeah, the time and ever. So you yeah. you were in bands before Boys It's Fire as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had. I mean, nothing that came of much, but um, I'm still you know, like Facebook friends with a couple of guys from Pensacola, Florida that I used to do a band with. And that was the first band that I actually like got on a stage and did something with. Um, but it wasn't until Boy Sets Fire that I came into any bit of, you know, notoriety, I guess. Yeah. I mean, Boy Sets Fire, I mean, I definitely found them uh, like probably everyone my age because of that victory album, the after the eulogy and mm-hmm. then went backwards <laughs> was that man so what so uh according to wikipedia so 94 is boy since fires origins and then you guys kind of rotated some members and stuff uh 94 we started yeah pretty much i mean we started in 94 and everyone except for me chad and josh switched out um josh and chad were actually the founding members of the band and called me in after that you know so um it uh yeah I mean it's been a very long trip of oh, craziness so. ups and like yeah you like I was talking to someone to uh, trying to explain what I was doing and I was like oh you know Boyz is fire and someone who doesn't know this music I'm like oh they were on the Daredevil soundtrack and they thought I meant yeah. the Netflix show Daredevil and then I was like uh, wow wouldn't that have been cool yeah <laughs> I Too bought bad that we were st- stuck with this shitty one. <laughs> the shitty Ben Affleck movie and yeah ugh. <laughs> and that was like this weird Jesus. moment. I was like, everything has changed because there's now a, a good Daredevil. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe yeah. Uh, you guys. It was. <laughs> I would love to get on that. Maybe something can get. I can get on that with something. Yeah, hey, I, I remember actually because Batman and Daredevil were my two favorites. You know, Marvel and DC. They yeah. were. They were sort of the the twins from those two worlds. You know what I mean. Um, and they were my favorite heroes um, growing up. And so when the Daredevil thing came about, I was like, oh, we're going to be on that. Yes, that's the best thing in the world. And then I saw the movie. It, I know. It's like, it, oh, wow. Did you miss the mark? And then but then the TV show is fucking incredible. Oh, man, I'm mm-hmm. 
fucking obsessed with all of them. I like at some point I was like, wow, I'm a grown man and I watch five superhero TV shows obsessively. Right. And I, <laughs> I fucking love it. Like I totally like I see such like a Venn diagram with like punk rock and then like comedy and like comic books and like all of these. It's like we're all the same archetypes of people just and i just now i've just kind of fallen into all these i have like my foot in all the worlds like i love the comic oh, yeah, world i love the comedy world sure. yeah but mm-hmm. for so long it was just music so now when you find like a music guy who likes comedy or like we can talk to you about like the flash and stuff i'm like yes right right <laughs> i was a big comic book nerd as a kid oh no way um oh yeah for for real yeah, um that's awesome. like i said batman and daredevil were the big ones and then of course i had a lot of x-men and fantastic four um but really, like, Daredevil and Batman were pretty much – might as well have been the only thing in my collection. <laughs> so when they got uh, – by the time – well, I liked their first Batman movie that Burton did. And then when, when no one came around, I was, like, kind of, like, finally ready to – as I got older, I was finally admit, – I admitted stuff as I got older to myself. I was like, all right, I like musicals and I like superheroes. Right, right. <laughs> Two things I just for some that's, reason I could never tell awesome. myself when I was younger. Men in tights. <laughs> yes, yeah. Like, younger, yeah. my parents. No, took, I, uh, and that's the funny thing because I mean, well, funny enough, and probably representative through certain parts of my music, musicals were a huge part of my life when I was younger. Yeah, um, I bet most people I, are surprised to hear that. Oh, I, I guarantee. Um, I guarantee it, but um. I, um, uh, let's see, like Les Mis, um, Man of La Mancha was a big one. I love that. Uh, and my parents and I every year would at least once, um, watch West Side Story. That was a big one for me. That's a very good Um, one as well. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I uh, love musicals and I love the... The storylines and the drama and the and the silliness of them too. You know what I mean? The it's theatrics. Great. Yeah, I love theatrics. So, uh, did see, I got lucky enough to see uh, two versions of Jesus Christ Superstar when I was younger? Like, oh, that's awesome! I just yeah. a friend of mine just got uh, not that long ago sent me the vinyl. Oh, it's so it. dope! But yeah, it's so awesome. Like some of those bass lines on it, like, and you go back and listen yeah. to it, you're like, oh my god, that's like. The part where they're the the that part where they're like whipping Jesus and shit. Yeah. And it's so intense. Actually, Pegboy did a cover of that song. Oh, no way. I'm surprised yeah, like, hip hop artists don't sample it. It's so good. And then one time my parents brought me to see um a weird college version of it at Wesleyan University, which is kind of like a liberal weird kid school in Connecticut. Right, right, right. It was like experimental theater. That was the word I wanted to use. And like, so we sat on the stage, and Jesus came back. Uh, was reincarnated in uh, the hall during the Holocaust, and he was in the and like in the camps. And then like the actors interacted with the uh, the the audience. And I'm like Uh eleven, a little intense. (laughs) Wow, yeah. And then I saw Cats, and then I just kind of decided in sixth grade and hated theater forever. And then. Maybe the last five years, and then after I saw Book of Mormon, I was like, "Oh, I get it, man. You, you, this is satire and music and everything I love in one." Right, 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 right. It's funny too, like when I look back, my favorite Simpsons episodes were all the musical ones. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely, without a doubt. The um, it, it's funny, like um, and I think that my love of musicals um 
extended out to like music I then like, like David Bowie and stuff like that. Yep. It always got me more when someone was able to play to that dramatic mm. side. You know what I mean? And um, of course, there have been bands that have tried and have failed. Oh, but yeah. but the bands that really grasp it, uh, even like uh, more modern day Ghost, I think um, even though some of their albums I really like, some of them, eh, you know, I still I love that theatric of the whole thing and that they really stick to it. And they, you know what I mean? It's it's just great. Even like is it Foles, I want to say, that does like a visual piece with their music. I think it's them. I could be wrong. I haven't actually seen them. I don't know. Yeah. But I, I love when bands do that, too. They have sort of a visual thing to it or just just anything that brings something more than just a bunch of dudes on stage playing. You know, yeah, which I, which I love, but then there's something, especially now. I hate being like when I'm older, but I've, I've gotten to that point where I I actually enjoy a concert that has seats, mm-hmm. <laughs> and more than like a sweaty. Like I I I don't go to a fucking base. I haven't been to a basement show in like 15 years, and I don't feel comfortable going to one. Like I think the Court Tavern is the last like thing I feel like. All right, I can still get it. 21 plus, I can get away with this. It feels good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> and it's always sort of way in the back. Yep. Just have a drink and watch the band. I'm not getting too close to anything. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was the last time I – I don't know when the last time I did that was. I remember when I was um, – some of my good friends were in this band called uh, Folly, which you guys have crossed paths with. I'm not sure if you would be aware yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely aware of that name. I think you guys probably played more It's a Casting Out, I think. That's actually how I – Yeah, I yeah, I, yeah. I yeah. think you're right. Uh, that, that's my weird information that I remember about both of your <laughs> band's careers. Well, that's how I found the casting out because uh, you guys were playing a show in like Delaware or something. Or, and then, but like when they were breaking up the first time, I remember, or it was a reunion show, and I remember sitting in the back. I was like 25 at the time or 26, and off my parents' insurance and be like, well, I don't want to get hurt. I can't afford this. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> That's awesome. If someone breaks my nose, I'm going to be in debt. Which <laughs> yeah, no, screw that. Yeah, no, no. that's it's funny. It it was um probably somewhere in my later 20s when I went. Okay, this is no, <laughs> no, not getting anywhere near that mess up there. Right. I'm just going to hang out, enjoy the music. I don't need to run into anyone, jump off of anything, or do anything that could call me bodily harm. Yeah, but you were the the front man, and every time I saw you guys play, you uh, you put on a pretty impressive show. Like there could be some risk for bodily harm. The time. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. But that's while I'm doing. Oh, my oh art, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Then, then if it's just listening to someone else, it's not as worth it. That's very know? true. Yeah. <laughs> I remember. Uh, I mean, you must have more amazing voice hits, fire stories, because you guys really had a diverse crowd. But I imagine mm-hmm. you had more fans like me, like you know fat white dudes and then much weirder than me <laughs> probably one or two girls <laughs> you probably had a lot of fat white dudes that were weirder than me yeah that's what's a good way to describe our audience yeah <laughs> it, was, it was usually like guys that looked like me and then like some definitely weirder <laughs> some girls that look like you yeah one or two. <laughs> that was the 90s everybody the 90s. had the giant <laughs> jeans and giant shirts so everyone just sort of oh, blended yeah. in together <laughs> and Hi, blobs. sorry one second Come here. Hi, Bob. Hi, buddy. Ah, come here. My son just walked in. Aw. <laughs> Can you say hi? Hi. <laughs> hi, buddy. 
And he's off. All right. How old? Uh, he's two and a half. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, he's awesome. And, um, the oh, what was I just? Oh, that you know, the early mid '90s of everyone sort of the just morphous blobs, look, the jeans. homeogenic, you know, like yeah, blobs of people. Yep. But um, I think in the in the beginning, actually, um, it was definitely like just a mass of weirdos. Like we attracted the weirdest human beings you had ever seen in your life, and just really intense people. Like, um, and I, I, and you know, I, I assume it has something to do with, it had something to do with the lyrics and it had something to do with us being freaks ourselves. But like, it was just crazy. Like the things that would, that people would come up to us and say, you know what I mean? Like, um, and, and I mean, not, and not in a laughable way at all, like really intense shit that like left us like, oh my God, what are we doing? Like, <laughs> Like people like coming up and like talking about how they had been raped and beaten by their dad for years. And it was our music that helped them get away with it from it. And it was like, I mean, but a lot more intense than that, obviously yeah, from yeah. someone. And like, and that was, that it was not an uncommon like thing, like stuff like that. And there were times like after a show, we'd just go out to the van and just sort of sit there and stare at each other. Like what the hell? I am not qualified for this kind of work, you know, like I'm not, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a, you know, I, I need, I need to go see a shrink now after hearing all this stuff, you know, just intense. That stuff's heavy. I work for a behavior health company. So I hear a lot of that stuff on a day to day. And like, there's a lot of skills that you have to learn to hear that on a day to day without it wearing you down. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, like most people who, work in um psychology or psych, psych psychiatry there we go um have their own psychiatrist or psycho oh, you know yeah, what i mean yeah. people that it's, help them through or counselors stuff like that you yeah, have yeah. to because because people put it on you and there's nowhere to throw it you know yeah. <laughs> so it gets it's gets it's it's rough sometimes but it's such a know, testament just, to the band yeah no and absolutely and it was it was very cool to just be like wow people think that highly of us that they trust us with these stories and like sort of with their emotions and what's happened to them in their lives. And, um, you know, I, if, if at any point we were able to help people escape such abuse and horrors in their life, then awesome. You know, uh, it's just very hard to hear sometimes. There's uh, that famous Joan Rivers quotes that kind of applies to music. I feel that uh, she said, when you give someone a laugh, you give them a vacation. And that's kind of what yeah. a show is. It's just like nothing matters for that. When you're on that stage mm -hmm. and you're in the, nothing matters for that 40 minutes in your entire life. And it means everything. Yeah. You know, it's really funny that quote and a few others and just, I guess, getting older and more mature um, really stopped me in my tracks once. Um, cause I think, you know, younger people, you start getting in a band and you're doing all this stuff and you start really realizing that people will pay attention to you. You start realizing that you can, you know, get drunk and party and like people give you drugs and stuff, you know what I mean? <laughs> and when you're young and, and you get caught up in that sometimes. And I came to a point though, where I was like, where I was getting caught up in that and like just this sort of. I don't want to call it a rock star lifestyle because it wasn't, you know, whatever, but it was, you know, just like, I'm having fun. I'm living my dream, you know what I mean? Type of thing. And 
I was doing things that were damaging to why I was really there, mm-hmm. which why you're really there is for those people that just paid their hard earned money to watch you do what they thought you were here to do. You fucking dick, you know? <laughs> yeah. So there were times where I would lose my voice. You know, I, I mean, there's still, I'll get sick, lose my voice a little bit, but that's different. There were times where I would lose it because I was out partying all night, yep. you know? <laughs> and, and I really had to think about that and just be like, God, what a jerk. Like, where do I get off? Like, acting like that like these people are coming paying their harder money and yeah i owe them something this is stupid like how am i treating people that awfully you know that i think that they should just be amazed by the fact i'm just there you know (laughs) so it really put me in a place where now you know i go and play shows or we go on tour, I get to sleep on, t- you know, at a certain time, I drink tons of water, I relax, I rest, I read books, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't get into that lifestyle or that sort of subculture of partying and stuff on tour because every time I get on that stage, I want to put 100% into it. And if I don't, it's, uh, what good am I, you know? No, absolutely, a true showman. And uh, yeah, a, a testament to Boyce That's Fired, it's the type of band that if I saw someone wearing a Boyce That's Fire shirt that I didn't know, or vice versa, I would walk up and talk to them. And there's a handful of bands like that. Like, they're big enough, but small enough, and there's just a weird community of people, or not weird, but, you know, there's, like, a subculture mm-hmm. of it, of that fans, and, like, Boyce That's Fire was, like, one of those bands. Like, I made a friend in college... Because he had a hat, a Boyce That's Fire hat on, and we ended up becoming good right. friends because of that. And we would and just, that's awesome. Yeah. I love that about about you know what we were able to create because it, there really was this sort of subculture of like you either loved us or hated us type yeah. of thing. You yeah, know what pe- I mean? Some and, people and, were dicks about your band to me. I oh, like, hated us. I don't know hated why. Us. I was like, yeah, hey, if you don't like yeah. it, it's fine, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just don't but listen. People, you know. They get they get caught up in their own little thing and they get caught up oh, yeah. in um, what your label is, you know what I mean, or who, what style of music you play, and oh, I don't love like that pussy shit or something, you know, dumb shit like that, or or when you're talking about political issues and things like yes. that, yes, yes, you're you're a hypocrite and blah blah blah. And what was funny is we never denied that we were hypocrites, and yeah. I, to this day I will never deny that I'm a hypocrite. We all are. And anybody that says they aren't is a liar. No, yeah. We're all hypocrites yeah, we're in some way or the other, but we're trying as hard as we can. We're doing what we believe in, and you don't have to like it. And if you don't like it, please go do it the right way. You know what I mean? And people don't seem to understand that, that you know, if I, if I go see a band or an artist or anyone for that matter, and I don't like how they're doing that, doing something, I will not waste my time or spend any time giving them criticism about it unless it actually affects me or people I care about. What I'll do is just go, well, I don't want to be that person. Mm -hmm. I'll make a mental note of that. And then I'll just go on my way. I'm not going to talk shit on him because what does that help? Nothing. You know? Oh, yeah. People will figure it out on their own if he sucks. Who cares? You know? Um, So that always confused me, though, that whole thing where people felt like they were part of a cause by hating on a band that's so weird to me it was yeah it was kind of strange and i, I mean you guys i'm sure you've talked about this enough but you've got a world one of shit because you signed to a uh, wind up 
And yeah. I remember like I was I was on like a street team at the time. For you guys. I was one of those kids, and I remember being mm-hmm. like, "Why are you guys mad?" Like, because my I, my cousin Sarah is in a band was in a band called Unwound, which is like a. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. My cousin Sarah was the drummer. So really, yeah, yeah. I love that band. No way. That's so funny. Oh, what a small I saw world. them in I saw them in Newark in in Delaware, and it was probably one of the best things in the world because they played this really short set and then just put their instruments up against the amp, and there's this feedback, and everybody was pissed off except yeah. for me. I was like. That was incredible. Yeah. Like they just lost their damn minds for like six minutes, <laughs> yep, and right. then just fed back for an hour. Oh, that's <laughs> this so is awesome! Great. Oh, I had like I had their tapes. Yeah, I had tapes. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I was so excited about that band. I loved on Oh, wow. that's no awesome. Never knows who they are. <laughs> oh, that's they so were cool. sincerely one of my favorites. Oh man, that my head just exploded a little. <laughs> <laughs> Unwound and Universal Order of Armageddon never left my tape player. Tape play. Yeah, I had all those tapes. Yeah. Right. I remember, um, they, you know, she's older than I am, but so I would hear stuff through my dad and my aunt. So I remember, like, oh, voice. I was remember even thinking because I was talking. My dad's a music person, and, and so like I was like, oh, so bit, here's what when you guys signed the wind up, I wasn't like that into it, but I, I wasn't hating on it. It was more right. like, oh, a band I like made the right step forward, and now they can have money. Like when my dad's like, yeah, just like when Sarah went to kill rock stars, now she can afford to play her music. Like that's how my dad. Right, was. right. And I was like, she made oh. a she made a better decision, I feel, than we did. <laughs> did yeah, yeah, um, because that that's an actual sort of reputable label and stuff. Uh, Wind up was a terrible idea. Is it still around? But, um, Wind up? I actually don't know. Uh, it's sort of, but in some kind of weird way, the owner actually died i believe and i don't know we don't really keep in touch but i wouldn't um, expect you guys to <laughs> yeah yeah but what's really funny is i have to new plastic ideas that was the album yeah yeah that yeah. was i love that that and fake train were like my two favorite albums by them oh, anyway sorry I, I no no don't be sorry my parents are um, totally gonna listen to this and they're gonna be very excited and tell my aunt <laughs> and, oh it was so cool yeah new plastic ideas and fake train love those albums they just, i'll text her be like hey guess yeah. what I don't so know good. if you know who this band is, but they meant right. to me. Doesn't so. matter. Doesn't matter. They were awesome. Um, <laughs> she might. <laughs> um, but um, what were we talking about? Oh, oh wind up. Sorry. Yeah, so, yeah you um, guys took a, 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 a jump. Well, what had happened? And people yeah. were not happy. And, and, and honestly, you know, whatever, screw them. We, we did what we felt was the right thing to do. And, and I'll be honest, and I've said it before, it wasn't the right decision for us. We shouldn't have done it. Um, what, rec- and, what is and, it like? And, it's uh, and, 2020. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What and, that saying is like, and I don't say that. I don't say that in the way of we sold out. No. I'm saying that in the way that we didn't sell out correctly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, not enough we, cash grab. <laughs> no, there wasn't enough cash for what the bullshit we had to put up. Uh-huh. Um, you know what I'm saying? Um, so it was we. We signed, we thought things were going to be good. We thought we were going to have, you know, like a lot of, and, and honestly, like I don't have any um, empathy for bands that sign shitty deals and whine about it. Um, we signed a shitty deal and we deserved what we got because we signed it. Mm-hmm. I really feel that. Um, but um, I didn't like it. I didn't like the fact, and none of us really liked the fact that they tried to take away our creative control. They wanted writers to come in. Oh and what God. a lot of these 
DIY dickheads don't see is our fight that we put up for it. We did not, we put out an album that was our songs. Now it was overproduced and complete bullshit in that regards, but we fought off writers. We fought off um, all this different shit that other bands would have said, yeah, sure. Why not? Mm -hmm. And because of that, they did not push that album like they would have other albums um, because we kept our integrity even though we gave in to a more glossier produce, which honestly, if you look back at that album, the production is just shitty. <laughs> it's not necessarily like overproduced. It sounds underwater. Like Jay Baumgartner is a piece of shit. Fuck that dude. <laughs> like, seriously, I hate him to this day. So I good. wish I could just beat him with a baseball bat. <laughs> he ruined that album. It sounds like I love, um, Dave, the butcher, as we called him, he was the guy that came in and helped produce uh, the album, engineered it and produced it before Jay Jay Bumgardner got his stupid hands on it. Um, And he actually did a great job. I thought the arrangements he came up with and stuff were actually good. Um, But, you know, we did fall into that verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus thing. But, um, you know, whatever. It's what you do with that shit. Um, But what Jay Baumgartner did was absolutely piss on that album. The, that, that production that he put on it is so bad. Like it's quiet and underwater and shitty and just, it's awful. I hate it. And I hate him for doing it. Um, but, uh, that's the only person during that era that I can say I hate though. Um, that's impressive. Cause you're, that's a interesting time in music because that's yeah. Napster era. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, is why would I, what would I have to hate anyone else for? I did it to myself. Yeah. It's just, you know, that guy just fucking sucked. But um, anyway, um, wind up to their credit, though, and I always try to say this, we owed them a lot of money. I mean, I'm going to say definitely a million at least. Jesus Christ. And, um, and we got to a point uh, while we were writing misery index um, that we were, I mean, you've heard the misery index and it is not a major label album. It is a crazy weird out there album. And um, we decided that we were going to say no to anything. They said, we're not going to screw with it. This album is going to be exactly what we want and you can eat it. We're not, we don't care. Um, And so I finally, I remember having a talk with Alan Meltzer who owned it. He's like I said, he's dead now, but um, I had a talk with him. I was like, look, man, um, we're not going to do what you want. You're not going to do what we want. Um, This is a lost cause. Like, can you just let us go? And to his credit on the phone right then and there, he said, yeah, you're right. Let's just end it. I was a little shocked at first because I was like, really? And so because of that, I will not talk shit on Wind Up. Um, That never happens. Because they literally said, okay, that's cool. We understand. And and I do not know one person from that label that I've talked to or like Chad or anybody has talked to since – that hasn't been incredibly respectful to us. You know, a lot of them, I think the label's pretty much shut down and they've gone to different places, but I have a really good relationship with any of those people because they respected what we did. Um, They respected our ideals. They respected that we stood up to them 
And we did it in not a shitty manner. We didn't act like brats. We, we acted like human beings that just went, guys, come on. Like, we don't want to mess you up. We understand what you're trying to do and, and find a band that wants to do that. You know what I mean? Um, but, but that's not us and you're not going to change us into that and we're not going to change you into us. So let's just be cool, you know? And it worked out. So I've got no gripes with them. We signed the contract. We did it to ourselves and we were fortunate enough to get out of it. So um, after that, we went on and we wrote the weirdest album we've ever written. <laughs> uh, and so at that time, was it like, were you guys getting like the wine and dine by all the big, big guys? Or was it like that weird era before all the industries collapsing down itself and they're like, ah. No, it was definitely during that era. That was before we signed to wind up. There were definitely a lot of people trying to get us bring us in and stuff and um I they're all trying to make you a modern rock band because if, if yeah that's kind of like what, what wind up did yeah they they definitely were everybody was and i think uh probably my biggest um regret and um i could blame it on somebody but i won't um because it's it's not productive but um we literally had the choice between wind up and epitaph and obviously you can see which way I should, yeah, let that, let that sink in a little bit. Yeah. Um, and, um, I did not want to go to wind up. Yeah. <laughs> Epitaph was the obvious choice in that decision. Yes. And, um, we did not take it. Um, <sighs> there was a weird time period in Boy Sets Fire where to be honest, um, we were being, uh, and allowing ourselves to be bullied by a member mm -hmm. that was trying to push us in a certain direction. He's no longer with the band and, you know, people can take a guess and probably be right, but I, you know, I really don't want to get into that. Anymore. Yeah. This isn't like a shit um, show by any means either. Right. So. Right. But I want to, but I want to explain the story, but yeah, I just yeah. want people to know that this Without isn't in the it. spirit of shit talking. No, no, absolutely. It's not. in the spirit. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. It's, um, you know, I, I, I still do not get along with him. He doesn't get along with me. We do yeah. not see eye to eye and we never will. And we probably will never be friends again. And that's fine. You know what I mean? It's what it is. Um, yeah. Not everyone in this world needs to be friends or care no, about each other. Just don't everyone be in with each other. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And that's the best. And once once he left, the band was, oh, it was a breath of fresh air. And we've been we've been so happy ever since. We have lived this band as what it was always meant to be. And that was just a fun little project that we do when we feel like doing, we don't when we don't. And no one can tell us what to do. We are our own masters, our own gods, our own destiny. And it's beautiful. We every, you know, I mean, we, we live and die with it. And um, it's, uh, it's, it's been a fantastic experience. Uh, so when, and then, uh, so from Boys It's Fire, you were doing the casting out for a while, and um, I've always, I mean, like a lot of people, I always really enjoyed your vocals, and I always thought there was a pop sensibility underneath mm -hmm. the voice that's fire stuff. Mm -hmm. You and is it Josh who's your backup vocal? Your, your vocal. He does the screams. Chad does the melodies. Oh yeah, the, uh, harmonies. Yeah. You guys harmonized really well, and I was like, "There's some." Mm -hmm. So I was excited for casting out, and then you also had "I Am Heresy," and now mm -hmm. the solo stuff. So you are you just someone who just loves being busy. Yeah, I do. Um, but it's funny because I think that in reality, though, it was just a lot of finding myself. Mm -hmm. And I finally have at 43, you know. Yeah. Um, 
there was, in a lot of ways, I've finally found where I'm at and who I am. Um, I went through the casting out as it was, it was both a this is me and a rebellion from Boy Sets Fire to an extent. It was taking that more melodic sensibility and poppy thing, but adding sort of like a fun party mode to it, you know, um, that was sort of getting away from talking about politics and serious issues and more just having fun. Um, but I realized that that wasn't really who I was either, you know, um, and, and after being in a band like Boys It's Fire for a while, it really is difficult to sort of find yourself on who you are anymore. Because for a long, the longest time, for 20 years, you've been part of a collective, you know, mm, yeah. uh, in which you in and of yourself do not matter. You are part, the individual doesn't matter as much as the whole, you know. So I needed to find out where I mattered, you know. So then I went on to I Am Heresy, and that's when I found more of, that was right around when I was discovering more about myself with atheism and with my um, with Satanism and things like that, um, and really getting into that and understanding what it was and why it attracted me when I was younger and why it was coming back around to me, um, and and I got you know I was like I want something more angry to push out all of this hate and anger and ritualize out to an extent all of this pain that. I've held on to with um, my upbringing with Christianity and things like that. And, and honestly, like I held on to um, even, I mean, a very mild and liberal dose of it, but of that sort of feeling and guilt of Christianity up into my thirties. Um, so there was that moment where I needed to hit back. And that's basically what I am heresy was. Um, and then after that, I still didn't feel completely fulfilled. And it wasn't until I started working on my solo stuff. And I finally, well, the casting out was supposed to be my first foray into solo work. Mm -hmm. And I chickened out. <laughs> um, and then during I Am Heresy, all of that in-between stuff, like the more mo melodic, like uh, dark folk stuff and things, that was who I was and who I was trying to scream out in the middle of all this, you know? Um, so I finally went, okay, time to man up. Let's do this. And finally went solo, finally found where my compass was, you know, and found out who I was, um, in my ideology, in who, just who I was in general and feeling more comfortable in my skin and, um, and what kind of music really moved me. You know, and and that's where we come to today. You know, yeah. So your dad was a pastor that I, I've learned from doing a little mm -hmm. research, and then he I was still like, is. Yeah, oh, still is. That's so great. Yeah, yeah uh, he's a Presbyterian minister in Delaware. Oh, that's so, oh, oh, Presbyterians are wonderful. Mm -hmm. I used to work with a woman years ago, and her husband was a. I think uh, am I getting this right? Presbyterian minister. Yeah, like, yeah, and mm -hmm. um, he was getting a sex change to become a woman. <laughs> and the church did not kick him out or anything was was for yeah. her. But uh, right. besides, um, the church was it, like open arms. That was the first time I ever learned about that stuff. And I was like, right. wow. That's well, the cool. funny thing is, is that there are two sides of Presbyterianism. Um, and and this is it's it's a funny story, really, because you have your more liberal 
Presbyterians, mm -hmm. which, um, which sort of forays almost into Unitarianism to an extent. Yeah. Um, and then you have the more conservative side. Um, you have the PC USA, which my dad actually separated from and joined the more conservative ECO. Oh, wow. Um, who, and he is, um, it's, it's funny though, because when I tell these stories like this, people sort of expect a certain story from it and they don't get it and you won't either. But, um, uh, this is, this is the actual story is that, um, although growing up in the church and within Christianity was absolutely horrible for me outside of my family, within my family, it was beautiful and wonderful. Interesting. And yeah, I yeah. come from a very conservative Christian family, but, um, and I think this had a lot to do with it. My grandfather who passed away a, a while back um awesome man just um anyone who's ever who ever met him um you know his when his funeral came around um it was packed you know what oh, i mean there were so, so many people that he just meant so much to because he was one of those type of people that despite his politics and things like that he was a real human being and he loved people and um and he was one of those rare people that listened when you're talking and it didn't matter what you were saying or what you were talking about. Um, this is something you don't get very often from other people. Mm -hmm. uh, usually you can look at somebody and you can tell when you're talking, they're just thinking about how they're going to debate you. Um, and he would literally, it was, it was unnerving sometimes. You're like, well, he's actually listening to what I'm saying and taking it in. He's not thinking about what he's about to say. He's really taking it in and trying to understand where I'm coming from. And I think everybody had that experience with him. And he was the patriarch of our family. Uh, and my dad, um, it, it, this was my mom's dad, by the way. Mm -hmm. uh, my dad's dad, um, his dad, a bit of a different <laughs> situation. But um, uh, my grandparents on my mom's side really took my dad in. And I think that my grandfather was a real inspiration to my dad. And, um, and my dad's always been that kind of man to where despite the fact that he'll give me some of his opinions and I'll be like, Oh dad, geez, really? Like you could never tell. Like it just like he has his own opinions and this is how he feels, but he doesn't feel like he needs to force it on anybody. And he doesn't feel like he needs to treat anybody poorly because of it. So it's, it's very rare these days, you know? So I, I consider myself very lucky to have been brought, brought up in that mm. um, atmosphere. I mean, my parents know where I stand and I know where they stand and we never argue. We have discussions uh, in which if it's not going to come to, you know, sometimes we agree. Uh, most of the times we don't, at least on spiritual things and stuff. And when we don't, we'll go back and forth a couple times. And if it's not going to go anywhere, then all right, well, I love you. You know? Yeah. Done deal. Like um, I was explaining to a friend of mine the other day that um when you get, when I was younger and I went through that rebellious stage where you're like, Oh, my parents are dicks. I had a real hard time with that. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it actually, that. yeah, it actually pissed me off that like I couldn't find anything to really be angry about, you know? Um, and I would like, there was always those times where like, I'd be real angry at my parents for something stupid that like, whatever, like just something dumb that I was being unappreciative about. And, um, and then I'd realize that like a friend of mine was like getting beaten up at home or like, 
you know, something got kicked out of their house. And then I realized my parents would never do that to me. Like, I mean, literally, I have done some horrible shit to my parents and they didn't kick me out. Like, you know what I mean? Like my dad literally, at least on two occasions, um, after me doing really shitty things that I should have gotten kicked out of the house for just hugged me and told me that he loved me and said that I could never do anything to get kicked out. Wow. Blew me away. Beautiful. Yeah. And so obviously I have a great relationship with my parents. Um, and it's very funny, you know, the Satanist and his Christian parents getting along. (laughs) And that's how it should be, you know? Yeah. And, and it absolutely should be, it should be very easy, but it seems very complex for most people. Yeah. That, you know, there are going to be issues that we're going to agree on. There's going to be issues that we don't agree on. Um, if your family, you should try a little harder. If you're, if, if, if you're not, then screw people who gives a shit. You don't have to be friends with everybody. You don't you know have to talk I mean? about religion almost. No, ever. you don't need to talk about religion and you don't. And, and here's the thing. There's nothing saying that you need to love or care about anyone that you don't honestly care or love (laughs) care about or love screw them who gives a shit you don't need to go out of your way to actively be mean to them but you also don't need to be part of their life and they don't need to be part of yours um so i feel like um if i can't get along with somebody then they're a stranger to me and it's fine i can i can be personable i can be respectful of the fact that they are a person that doesn't need to be in my life. (laughs) So it works out very well. So uh, how did you make the leap from atheism to Satanism? Because I I, I find that fascinating as fellow atheists, but I kind of noticed with all of us around like the 30s, people, you get pulled to Satanism or like humanists, uh, and not any of us want to just be just a a boring atheist or not boring, but just like, yeah, I think the pull comes the way. I actually don't know much about Satanism, so I'm actually mm kind of fascinated to learn about it from you. I could easily explain it. Um, and it, it's funny that you bring up humanism and stuff because I think that was one of the reasons that I turned to Satanism. Um, it was – so I started reading books. Um, I, well, let's, uh, we'll rewind a good deal so that this will sort of make sense with my past. So when I was younger, there was – it was during a time period called the Satanic Panic or that's now referred to as that um, where everything was – Satan and Satan was coming to get you and people were sacrificing babies to Satan, even though none of this shit actually happened. Um, people were getting arrested for being Satanist. You know, it was a crazy time period. Um, and during that time, churches were putting out propaganda films about um, Satanism and Satanism in music and that the devil was coming to get your children. And during that time, I was seeing these documentaries and shit that um, they would put a little flash of Anton LaVey up there and these rituals he was doing in the satanic Bible. And, you know, it, it was funny because they wouldn't really give it a full story because if they were to actually have shown people what Satanism really was, people have been like, Oh, well that sort of makes sense though. <laughs> you know, So, um, and, and it would have been a lot less of the, Oh my God, they're sacrificing people. So, which is not a thing. Um, so it, let me see. So when I was young, I, I would see these videos and I was like, that, see, that interests me. 
I don't understand why everybody's freaked out by this guy or by this because I, I sort of want to know more about this. And I feel like I'm not getting the whole story. But as a young Christian, I had that guilt and that shame and that, oh, God's watching me. And if I, if I go check out the opposition, he's going to be pissed, you know. So it took me a very long time, even though I felt that, you know, and I read through the Satanic Bible and I felt a real connection to it. I felt like, well, this is what I believe. This is exactly what I believe, but I feel very guilty for it. So I'm mm -hmm. going to throw the book away and just try to be a good Christian. Um, so I, I, I let that go. And so down through the ages and whatever, um, my Christianity became a lot more liberal and a lot more liberal until it became so liberal it was just gone, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, because after a while you go, you know, there's only so much excuse, so many excuses you can make for these shitty verses, you know? There's only so many excuses you can make for these when, honestly, these right-wing Christian nut jobs that are reading out of this are actually getting it right. They're literally reading this thing and they're there. It says that, you know, all this murder, rape and horror, like they're reading it correctly. Whereas the, you know, the more liberal ones of us were looking into it, begging for an opportunity to find something that was more humane. Um, and I feel like we grasped at a lot of straws to get there. Um, mm. and I, and, and I feel that it was dishonest and I don't mean that as an offense to anybody that's still in that, but it's just true to me, um, mm. that I feel it's dishonest to make, uh, that book anything better than it is. Um, so anyway, um, moving along, I, um, I started rejecting, you know, Christianity and things like that. And I, I, I started reading Hitchens and Dawkins and, and atheist writers, Sam Harris, people like that. Yeah. We, what do they call, they it, call them? The, uh, the atheist four horsemen. Right, 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 right. Yeah. And, um, and, and they really attracted me, you know, I was like, okay, this is, this is, this is great. I mean, it, it's really giving me a lot of ammo for everything inside me that tells me that I should be, that I should believe in God. This is hitting all of those. And it's letting me know that I don't need that. And that's all that I'm holding on to is this need to be, um, to not take care of myself. Um, and I feel like a lot of times that's what religion tends to be. Oh yeah. Um, and especially what I would call white light religion, you know, like, uh, Judaism, Christianity, Islam, things like that. Um, they're, they're created to have an authority figure above yourself. Um, whereas why, why do I need an authority more than myself? Why, why isn't myself good enough? And, um, and so furthering that thought, um, as I decided I was an atheist, I then was looking at that line, basically. Why am I not good enough? Um, why is it just being me not good enough? Um, and, and I started thinking about um, all my life, I seem to have been defining myself by what I'm not. And with atheism now, I seem to be doing that same thing, personally. Um, I seem to be just saying, well, here's what I'm not. Well, what are you? You know what? I'm not sure. You know, 
So I started looking into things that stemmed out of a more atheistic viewpoint. Um, I looked into humanism and I was honestly really put off by a lot of the trading God for all humanity, you know, and I really didn't feel the need to love everyone and care about everyone. I thought that was a little gross and weird. And, and it seemed like to an extent that a lot of humanist thought uh, was just trading God for humans. And, and, it, 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 and also it was sort of like this good guy badge. It was sort of like, look, we can be good without God. Why do I have to prove myself? That's why do I have to do point. that? Yeah. Yeah. Why do, why do I have to prove myself to anybody? I don't need the good guy badge. You can think I'm the devil all you like. Fuck you. So, and hence why Satanism really said something to me. Cause when I read Anton LaVey, he said, he was saying, don't turn the other cheek, smack them back. Screw them. Don't love your neighbor. Don't love anyone who does not deserve it. You only need to love those who deserve your love. Because if you don't, you will waste your time on ingrates. You will take the love that those that you surround yourself deserve, and you'll spend it on people who don't. Um, and that made a lot of sense to me. Um, so getting deeper into it and reading the Satanic Bible and realizing that it wasn't at all what I thought it was. Um, you know, they're, they're obviously the, the symbolism, um, but a lot of, all of it, um, it deals in archetypes. It's basically taking on the archetype of Satan, of Lucifer, of Leviathan, you know, those, those things, the carnal nature, the base nature, the things that people call sin, um, we as Satanists take that on and we say, yeah, we are those sinners. We are the devil incarnate. And, and we accept that we are merely animals and that we are merely carnal beings. Um, and that we are here to indulge in all that life has to offer as long as we harm no one. Um, and, and, you know, it, it, goes on with that same adage of, um, you know, my right to throw my fist, my fist stops at your nose. And why, why follow any law but that? Uh, the seven deadly sins need not hurt anyone. They're all part of our base natures. And they're all part of things that um, actually bring life to us and that bring happiness to us and that bring competition into our lives to propel us forward. So being a Satanist is a rejection of sin. It's a rejection of being the good guy. It's a rejection of being told that I'm dirty, that I'm filthy, that I am a sinner. Um, and it's taking on the archetype of the adversary and saying, fuck you. That's that. Wow. That's a lot. That's awesome. Um, I, it's definitely piqued my interest. I'm going to have definitely read more into this because I feel like I agreed with everything you said and I need to. <laughs> right. I, I, I would honestly, like, I, I, I always, like, hey, that's um, good stuff. <laughs> right. Thank you. Um, I, I, what I always do and, and it, so that, you know, uh, uh, we, 
stray away from proselytizing. We don't preach. You know, we obviously, when an opinion is asked, uh, we'll say it. But we're not here to save anybody or bring anyone into the fold because um, what would it matter? You know what I mean? Uh, it's, it's funny because, you know, Christians, they need to proselytize because they need to save souls. We need to save no one, so we don't care. But, um, but when someone is interested, what we usually say is read the satanic Bible, uh, read the satanic scriptures by Peter Gilmore. I actually found that that was an amazing transition from the satanic Bible, um, because Peter Gilmore, who is actually a a friend of mine and the new head of the church, uh, he and his wife, Peggy, um, he put out a book called the satanic scripture once he came to, you know, uh, I don't know, become the CEO of the company, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, and and his his take was a new and more modern take on Satanism, I felt. And and it really struck a chord with me as an atheist, you know what I mean? Because it dealt more in that and that more scientific approach and less of the spooky mysticism type of thought. Um, but anyway, um, I usually tell people to do that, go to, uh, the church of Satan's website, see what it's about. You know what I mean? And, uh, we always say that Satanists are born, not made, you know, um, you can't, yeah, you you can't force yourself to be a Satanist. You know, you can't just go, well, that's cool. I, I want to be that, you know, it either speaks to you or it doesn't. And if it doesn't, awesome. You know what I mean? At least you checked it out, you know, because I feel like. I, I really actually appreciate people who, you know, whether they're atheists, Buddhists, Christians, whatever, at least they know, you know, they go, Hey, I actually understand what that's about. And in that I can respect it and move on with my own thing. And I think, I think that's great, but I, I think it's also good to, because some people it'll speak to them and they don't realize that it speaks to them. You know what I mean? So it's sort of cool to let people know, Hey, this is what it's actually about. So they can then go do the study and they can go, you know, um, it's, um, we say that, um, Satanism is about study, not faith. You know, it's, you don't have to believe in anything you can't see. And if it speaks to you, awesome. If it doesn't, awesome. So. so I feel like some of the the downside of being an atheist is that lack of community that you share when you have a church. Like my my dad's my grandma and my grandpa were big Unitarians, and mm-hmm. which are basically you can be an atheist, you can be anything, and go to Unitarian. Yeah, you can be anything in a Unitarian yeah, church, which is wonderful. <laughs> and there's always this part yeah. of me. It's like maybe I should join a Unitarian church just to right. just to have the sense of community and. That camaraderie, yeah. Yeah, because what's funny about it, though, is that what you'll notice is um, there is no defined camaraderie within Satanism, um, and there's a reason for that. Uh, We don't feel like anyone, as as we said, even as I was saying, there's no need to love and care about everyone, which is usually how that works within church settings. Um, Within Satanism, it works more through respect. Mm, um, I, I like there, because someone is called a Satanist, you don't need to have anything to do with them. There are plenty of people who are Satanists and even like active members like I am, we don't get along. And, and the only thing that is expected is that you are polite and that you are a lady or gentleman about it and just say, Hey, we don't get along. Let's not talk. Oh, and it works out very well. You know, 
We're not going to shit talk each other. We're not going to be stupid about it. We're just not going to talk because we understand that not everyone will get along. It's the same with animals, you know, dogs, cats, cows, whatever you happen to be. You're, there's certain smells, there's certain, you know, attitudes, there's certain different mm. things that you are just not going to hit it off with everyone and you shouldn't have to. So what normally happens is there's that respect and um, anyone that comes into it that can display things that others respect, then it's like, okay, we should be friends. I respect how you, how you define your life, how you live your life and how you see Satanism the same way I do, you know? Um, but other than that, there's no like people calling each other brother and sister and shit like that. We find that pretty despicable. So, um, it's just sort of gross when you're like forced into loving and caring about people and like calling them brother and stuff. It's just weird to me. Um, <laughs> so, Okay. So just so you know, I was just putting that out there. Oh, yeah. A, no, please. Because there's certainly a community. I mean, there's certainly a community, um, but it's a very individualistic community. Yeah, that seems right uh, up my alley then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, still... it, you know, it obviously it works for me. So if you check it out and it works for you, awesome. If it doesn't, awesome. At least you checked it out. <laughs> That's great. Um, We're hitting up the hour. Um, Do we touch upon the solo stuff enough? I really want to make sure people know that you have a – a solo act uh, career as well. I would love to touch on it more. Yeah, sorry, I feel like I was like, shit, we just got sidetracked. Oh, no, 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 no. I just looked I, at the I, clock no, and I was like, oh. No, no, no. I, uh, obviously, I feel very strongly about my belief system. So it's, it's and, and as I am actually an active member of the Church of Satan, there's certain levels, you know. I mean, people can put in money to get a red card or whatever, but then there's a certain step where you say, hey, I actually want to be an active member and there's actually a lot of testing to it, you know. Um, so in becoming that and and being an active member and a spokesperson to an extent for the for the COS, um, it's always nice to be able to let people know what it's really about. Because I find that a lot of people do not actually understand what Satanism is, whether they think it has to do with sacrificing animals, which we found we find repellent, um, or they think that it's just some corny like kids in a basement playing D and D. It's neither of those things, and I like to be able to explain that. So thank you, and oh, um, no, please, we can then the- go on to talking about <laughs> the music. I just also want to point. I think it's funny. I just imagine when those people are talking negatively about Satanism for sacrificing animals. They're also eating like meat as they're doing it. Right, right, right. <laughs> and and you know, no harm, no foul on on that either. You know, as far as like um, <clears throat> eating meat and stuff. I eat meat. You know, whatever. Oh, yeah, me too. But uh, but I, love it. but but I, I know I, exactly what you're saying because that's funny. But yeah. um, it's it's um, it's weird how people immediately think satanism they think oh they kill stuff and sacrifice stuff and no no i mean i, I i'll eat a steak but that's that's not that's satanism. as far that's as yeah that's i don't do it in the name of satanism <laughs> i do it in the name of i'm hungry and i like steak and it's delicious yeah, yeah so yeah. it's a constant so it's, thing uh, I, yeah. I struggle with to too. to actually um and you know i'm sure some vegan would be very upset for me at me for saying this but um to to literally to kill something for no purpose um for not 
you know, if you're not going to eat it, um, I find pretty repellent and appalling. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, you know, if you, if you want to, I've said this before, um, if you want to sacrifice something for a cause, start with you. (laughs) That's great. So. We should uh, get Ray from Taken on here. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> actually, I, I, he was—he's been a past guest too. And my, and I know you were on his show, Hundred Words or Less, which was incredible. That was a yeah, yeah, yeah. great research for today. Um, actually, he probably would be like, "Yeah, that's fine." Because <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> he, we, and I talked to him about veganism, and he worked like PETA, and he was just so like. It kind of had that same thing as like punk rockers and atheism. When you're young, you're a dick about it. You get older, you're like, you yeah. can't change people. Get yeah, educated. you change and you realize it's about you. It's yeah. not about other people. You know, and yeah. that's and I love it when that happens when people finally find that. And 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 on a on a note, like since you just sort of brought it up, the young atheists are probably the worst people I've ever. Oh, met I was in my the life. worst. I was such oh, a fucking. Oh man, I was there. It. Yeah, I know. We all were. Because I'm, so, I'm I sorry. Feel like it's, yeah, no, I feel like I should apologize sometimes to people because, like, you feel like I you're in the literally, zone. yeah, I, 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 and I know what it was. It was me coming out of this whole thing and feeling so lied to, and feeling so angry that I was just striking out left and right at people that and, didn't deserve it. And we had you know good I mean? upbringings. That's the word thing. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. What the fuck was I getting so pissed? Maybe that about? was Why our rebellion. Just... And like, I didn't yeah, even that, grow up that yeah. hard in the church at all. I was just like, right fuck this shit. You're stupid. If you believe in, right. I don't believe that at all. Like, Oh my yeah, no. God, I'm the idiot. I don't, I don't right. study every religion in the world. I don't know why yeah. I don't, I don't make, I just can't make an informed decision. Right. Right. <laughs> I don't know anything about Buddhism or Islam or Judaism. Right. Like, right. Maybe yeah. it's me. <laughs> no, it's really funny. And, and you know, and I've, I've since done a lot of studying and I found out that I'm exactly where I should be. Yeah. But it's really toned down where I'm at with things, you know, and, and to the point where, I will definitely, without a doubt, I will speak out about Islam. I will speak out about Christianity. I will speak out about uh, Judaism, but I will not speak out about individual Muslims. I will not speak out about individual Christians mm-hmm. or individual Jews um, because that is that's stupid. You don't know these people. You don't know how they translate their scripture or how they live their lives. And if they're good people, then they're good people. But I can say that I find their scripture repellent. And that's for me. And and I feel like I should be allowed to say that. And I feel like others should be allowed to say it about mine. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but there's a point where you're, where it goes from being, look, I think this is wrong because of this. That then switches over into, I think you're wrong because you believe it and you're a bad person. And that's you know kind I mean? of where it always – and that sounds like the, yeah. the family discussions that you've learned growing up with your family that allows you to have mm-hmm. that, that. And that's yeah. a skill set I think where I've always tried to have and I think where I wish more of us could have. <laughs> and it's really funny because it's gotten me into a lot of really weird debates where people assume a lot about me um, where I will – you know, now that Islam is for some groups – not to be messed with or you're an, or you're an Islamophobe. Mm-hmm. Um, when I speak oh, yes, out I about it, I immediately, you know, I immediately get put into a certain category. It's like, no, no, you are not understanding me mm-hmm. like at one bit, but you're not going to listen to me. So fuck it. It's you know? uh, like white hetero cis male bros. Yes. It's South Park, yes, yes. South Park season 19 PC bros. Exactly. Fucking... You know, so, yeah. The, um, social justice war. Yeah. Um, 
and 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 you know you get that and then you know i i get just as pissed at that as i get pissed at who you and i used to be you know what i mean these yeah just loud mouthed atheists that don't know when to shut the fuck up and just let people live their own lives yeah. and it happens also with people not only like vegans and vegetarians but also meat eaters that are like won't you just eat a burger pussy yeah what do you care what they eat yeah why do you care about someone's diet <laughs> Why do you care? Like, why would you care if they eat a veggie burger? You, you just, I know it doesn't matter. I think so, that's anyways. Uh, yeah, yeah. the social justice warrior was me at 14. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm going to yeah, yeah. try Absolutely. to allow that. And, uh, mm-hmm. but, yeah. yeah, I think <laughs> it, solo it's work. one of those things where not only, yeah, sorry. No, but, no, don't be sorry. As long as not you only time. do I believe for me, but you have to believe it too, or you're a bad person. Yeah. And that's where you get into shining the good guy badge, you know? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, a, point being, no, solo work um, yeah, yeah, has think, been a wonderful experience. Um, and it's something that I've been pushing the most because, I mean, obviously with Boy Sets Fire, we've created, excuse me, a certain legacy. And it's been and it's been a wonderful time. Um, um, but, you know, I, I am trying to an extent, even though Boy Sets Fire will go on, I really want to break out and do my own thing and create the same kind of success with that. So, um, you know, uh, it's it's very different. It's um, more into a neo-folk, dark wave, um, industrial, um, but I, I hate saying industrial only because mostly people will think ministry and skinny puppy, and it's not that yeah. loud and like, you know, type of thing. It's, um, it's a lot more laid back and uh, introspective, and it deals a lot with what I've really tried to do with it is put forth my ideology with Satanism in a way that um, is conversational to an extent is in a way that more gets to the meat of it as opposed to metal bands with the pentagrams and the, you know, Satan, you know, type of shit. Um, I want to more present the reality of it and more of the, seeing ourselves as our own gods and how much we can do with our lives and how much we can inspire people by not needing a deity to control us. Um, so, so that's, that's been a big working within, you know, and not only that, but also creating a ritual within the music. Um, like I was, like we were talking about with the drama and everything, you know, you know, incense and candles and sort of creating a ritual like atmosphere on stage, because really that's what music is. You're ritualizing out all this hate and fear and things so that you can move on. It's like sitting on a a psychiatrist's couch, you know, Mm. um, you're getting rid of those things. It's almost like a group ritual, uh, where you're all there, you know, exercising these feelings, so then you can go out and just be a normal fucking person, you know? So um, that's really what I've tried to get at with it. And the music and has been very cathartic for me. And it's, it's finally feels like I'm hitting something that really speaks to me and means something to me. Um, so it's been great. It's been wonderful. Is, are you uh, going to do a label, you think? What's are you that? on? Are you on a label this time around? Uh, yeah, we we actually I put out the EP with uh, the label Good Fight. Oh yeah 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 yeah. I think which the banner is on them. 
Yeah, yeah. It's so funny because there's all these like heavy hardcore bands, dark hardcore bands, and then Nathan, the creepy uncle at the table. Like, well, isn't that kind <laughs> of like you're mirroring your entire career from Wind Up and Victory and everything? Oh, like, yeah. Because yeah, Boys yeah. Is Fire, you guys had those fans, and then you, but you. Always the odd man out. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> you, you brought in the. I mean, I went to see you guys in Connecticut because I, I live in Providence, Rhode Island now, but I'm from Connecticut. And it was a Snapcase, a Treyu tour. Great fucking tour, first off. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, gigantic dude like 300 pound bald guy with like x's tattooed in the back of the head has had hapri jacket and we right. literally he like put his arm around me and we sang my knife and trade together and that, and that, that that's awesome. a voice and fire show like yeah that's awesome yeah it's like little uh, dorky it me was really funny guy. actually during that time there were a lot of dudes like that that basically their girlfriends dragged them to our shows and then love it. And then they realized how much they loved it. Oh yeah. Like crying or not crying, but like just singing. Right. Right. Getting getting real passionate. Yeah. But that's something that I'm really looking forward to putting forth. You know, I've only put out an EP so far with, with the Nathan Gray stuff. And, um, it's been also, I just want to make sure I reference, uh, Dan Smith, who is my partner in crime with this. He's my producer, engineer. Um, he helps me write the songs. He like he puts it into a perspective with this more darker, you know, and he's from a more industrial background. He really helps create these songs with me. Um, and so I just want to put his name out there because yeah. he's just as much part of it as I am. And um, it's been it's been great finding the passion in this and, and finding just how passionate it is to find strength in yourself as opposed to a lot of bands who get very whiny and very, um, Oh, I got left and I sucks. You know, it's more about empower self empowerment and about, um, not needing anyone else to say, I'm good enough. I'm great. Um, and I'm going to live my life that way. And I'm going to realize that when, um, when death comes for me, uh, a light switch is going to go out and that's going to be it for me. So I better make the, the most of this. Uh, I better do everything I feasibly can that makes me happy. Uh, because when I'm done, that's it. Um, yeah, that's, so that's very true. <laughs> yeah. So I, I try to speak to that, you know, that's and, amazing. And I feel that if more people realize that, um, or, you know, I mean, if, if people, there's two ways. If people were a bit more liberal about their doctrine and just let people live their own lives, that would be great. But also I feel that if people took it upon themselves to realize that they are their own gods um, and that we don't need a deity, um, a lot of things would now be non-existent. Who would give a shit what two gay people do? No one. Yeah. No one would care. What would it matter? You know? Um, That's, yeah. So it, um, it really angers me that there are people on this planet um, for a very long time and now who are not allowed to be happy, who are not allowed to be themselves, who are not allowed to just be um and there are people in this world that are robbing them of the only chance they have and if people realize that 
that you are literally robbing people of the only opportunity they have to be happy. I really feel it would make a huge difference in the way people look at things. Oh, absolutely. Because so many people are like, let's live this life to get to the afterlife where everything gets better. But if we realize this right. is it, then we'll do it. This is it. Treat it right. Everyone would be too busy living their lives. Yeah. You know, to and, bother and then with what other people To are bring doing. it back, like the, the Joan Rivers quote, and then you do what you do, and then you give people like me that vacation for that hour without right. going away for a whole week. And then it, it's, it's a right. beautiful thing. It's a, yeah. it's are, are you planning on touring it heavily? Like, what's oh, your yeah. touring schedule yeah, yeah. now? Because um, if you have kids and stuff. It's, I mean, it's very light. I, yeah. I, I have a... Um, I have a job. I would even by now call it my career. Yeah, congrats. Um, I, yeah, thank you. A job man. I always wonder musicians. It's tough because it's like anyone, especially in the independent music world, everyone has some weird uh, freelance gig as well. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's once you find something that means as much to you as the music means, mm-hmm. you know, and that, and that really pushes you and makes you feel like there's a reason, you know, uh, to do it then it's it's all you know i mean this job definitely frustrates me a lot but um i i work um josh from voice that's fire and i um he's the regional manager and i am the um employment specialist uh for a satellite branch of a of a company called depaul industries out of portland and um we are a staffing organization a staffing company which um our mission statement deals with um, disabled veterans. That's oh. who we mostly work towards. So you now, work in course, human services? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so do I. Yes. So, I mean, we, we do find jobs for other people, but that's what we speci- you know, you know, specialize in, I guess. No, no, you're talking um, my world. I know exactly what you do. Yeah. yeah. But definitely, definitely people with disabilities. So we work with job developers and stuff like that mm-hmm. who have people – we're on the other side of that. We, our clients are the businesses or mm-hmm. say the state of Delaware or the state of Maryland, and they need people to fill in certain jobs. Yep. We fill those jobs with the people that the job developers come to us with. You know what I mean? So we build partnerships yeah. um, to find their people jobs. So then you help the job developers make their paycheck and you help the people that they're trying to find work for get their paycheck. You know what I mean? So it's, it's very rewarding in that way. And it's, oh, yeah. it's of course also very frustrating because there's uh, a lot of people who do not want to work and they're assholes. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just, it's just the truth. There are, there are people out there that are pieces of shit yep. and they don't want to lift a finger to help themselves. But you find how to motivate. Um, yeah. Well, not only motivate, but you, you learn when to let go also. Oh god, that, um, and you can't honestly. You can. I. I work. I've worked in mental health. I've worked for adults with developmental disabilities. You just cannot mm-hmm. help someone unless they want the help. I work with uh, people in recovery, and mm-hmm. when you can meet someone and be like, "I'm going to drink myself to death," and there's nothing you could do about it, and when to detach and be like, "Okay," and when yeah. when you jump all in and say, "No, we're going to help you save yourself," and uh, and then go home at five o'clock and pretend that never happened and just have a nice day. It's a right. It's great. Yeah. That's that's great work. Do. You, uh, do they call it DTA, like Department of Transitional Resistance, down in Delaware? No, no. Yeah, they, I mean, state it, makes it so fucking different. Right. They have they have DVR in Delaware. They have Delarf. They have they have all these different states, and there's a lot of set aside money for it and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
but I used to work on the other side for a group called Service Source, and I had people with um, disabilities that I was trying to find jobs for. Now I'm on what I would consider the more easy part of the job, you know, because <laughs> I awesome. have the clients, I have the jobs. I don't really need to beg anybody for anything. I just go, hey, I got the jobs. You want them? You know, um, so. Um, uh, how ironic, because how unhypocritical of you, of, of all the, like we said in the beginning, we're all hypocrites, but then the, yeah. put all the stuff to your art and then turn around and have a career to help people. I think that's, uh, that's right. so full circle. And <laughs> I think that's, that's, that's really awesome. That I don't know why that yeah. warms my heart so much to hear that. That's so yeah. cool. Well, I feel what's, what's really awesome. And I mean, I, I help a lot of people. There are people that, um, don't interview well. There are people who have had problems with recovery. There are people that have had um, issues with their record, with their arrest record. And there are people, you know, that have fucked up in their past, mm -hmm. but they're, but they're looking, they're really looking to do something different with their lives. And those are the people that it's awesome when you get to help them, you know, uh, yeah. then there's other people who are going to take advantage of you and they're going to treat you like crap. And it sucks when you help them. You know, yep. and then you have to let them go. You got to know when time to say, okay, hit the road. I'm not helping you anymore. Find, find another sucker, you know, but then there's those times where you help. And, and, and it, it always makes me think of my grandfather, who was a proud Navy man, you know, mm -hmm. uh, fought in world war two, fought in Korea, you know? Um, and, and, um, when I get to help those people, it's even more special. You know, um, and I and, you know, people give me crap for, you know, uh, coming from the background I do in this, like how I used to be and stuff uh, with my politics. But I, I have learned to not give a shit anymore what people say when I say this. But I really do feel like it's giving back. I really do feel that um, it's an honor to help people who have served. I don't know why anyone would give you shit for that, so fuck them. If right. it means well, anything, it makes me like you even more. Right. It, it does happen, unfortunately, in the more leftist, you know. You go so far to things. the left, you go to the right. You yeah, you lose yep. your mind and you start acting like a jerk. Yeah. You know. No, I mean. And um, and you can think whatever you like about why wars are fought and blah 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 and yada yada, but those guys, they, they did it. And they gave up a lot of themselves. You're not helping try like and... Dick Cheney. You're helping right, soldiers. Right. <laughs> exactly. You're not, they, they gave not up the a lot. decision makers. Yeah. To, to, you know, whether you think they did it for the wrong reason or whether, you know, not you specifically, no, but I course, mean, whether someone um, thinks that they did it for the wrong reasons or that they were ignorant and they didn't realize they were fighting for this, that, or the other thing. I find that a lot of them really believed in what they were doing and and honestly in some ways definitely lived up to that oh absolutely um, i feel that there is a reason for and this is where it really gets funny but um you know there there is a reason for war at times there is a reason to fight there is a reason to defend um and not everybody can get on board with that, but I've learned that that's an absolute truth mm -hmm. that, oh, yeah. that if, if you don't at times stand up and fight that people will walk all over you and it's what it is, you know? So I, um, 
I feel that it's a great honor to, and it's giving back. It's not just me helping someone. It's helping someone who helped me, you know, and come, uh, yeah. I, I, I have a life um, where I am able to do the most goofy, stupid bullshit. <laughs> you know, I, it's funny when you think about it, all the things we take for granted uh, that are freedoms and stuff like that. And I know Germany's free too, and blah, 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 all that stuff. I get it. Um, there's plenty of free countries, but it's cool that I, I live somewhere that I can do the most inane, silly crap that I'm free to do. <laughs> you know? I, I couldn't agree with that more. I think that's great. And it's kind of upsetting that uh, people that far to the left would attack that, but Mm-hmm. Give them time well, to they learn. They do because any kind of any kind of patriotism, any kind of belief that uh, you know, well, I live here, I might as well like it, you know, <laughs> and, and or you, you, and or try yeah. to change it as I can. You know what I mean? You mean? Um, uh, yeah, yeah. It's um, you have people that just in any way, shape, form, or idea, if you have any form of patriotism or anything they perceive as being patriotism, then you're a bad guy. I know many military veterans and a lot of time it's a lot of people don't understand a lot of it comes down to classism like a lot of vets mm-hmm. that I've met it's just like there was no other way out you know it wasn't yeah. like a trustafarian by any means it was a lot of no. it. people come from poor backgrounds and this this is the way the recruit the recruitment works I mean they come to the kids school for the and they go after the yeah. not as the what would be do. factory workers mm-hmm. the the poor people Well, the thing is, I mean, you know, we and I deal with this all the time. You're dealing with kids. um, A lot of times you're not dealing with like four star generals. You're dealing with kids that went into the military escaping something. And when they came back, it didn't go anywhere. Their family and then the government that they protected let them down, which that's a whole nother story. (laughs) Yeah, a whole nother story. But but even like drug abuse, different things and people not only coming back to that, but then turning to it when they get back. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just it's it's abhorrent. You know, it's awful the things that, you know, these situations can do to people. So anyway, you know, without getting on my big, you know, flag waving pants, Dan, you know, it's um, I feel that um, it's a very important work and um, and I'm proud to to be able to do it. Uh, well, I'm happy. I think I, I really support it. I think that's wonderful. And and if it's I don't need to go off, you know, exactly what you do is great. And it, it really is. Um well, man, um, yeah, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, where could uh, people – we always end up with asking people to plug their stuff, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let me um, – you know, it's really funny. If you go to anywhere, basically, whether it's Twitter, um, Instagram, uh, Facebook, if you look up Nathan Gray Songs, that's where you'll find my stuff, whether it's Nathan Gray Songs, Facebook, whether it's Twitter, whether it's Instagram, that's how you'll find it. Ah, smart. You got it all across, all across the board. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. So you've learned after being in the industry long enough. Oh, boy, have I. <laughs> uh, and thank you, man. Thank you so much for doing this. Have a good rest of your evening. And uh, yeah, whenever absolutely. your tour comes through Rhode Island, I'll definitely be there for sure. Right on, man. Thank you so much. Darkness leads unto darkness. Let this soul transcend the bounds of earth and be delivered to the spirit of darkness. Death shall be the carriage of his soul. Let the cry of the birds transport the spirit. Accept this man into the death of darkness. Hear me, old ones, for your time is coming. Darkness leads unto darkness. 
brother of my blood, my soul, I summon you. The time has arrived. Now we wait no longer. We must act. 